brave ones would challenge such fear. God said it's the saint's child that's gone on before me. That's no mountain for a climber. I know what awaits at the Is there watching over to see if his help I should need? He makes sure that his dear precious children don't fall by the trials so steep. That's no mountain for a climber when the maker of the mountain standing by me that's no mountain for a climber when the maker of the mountain is standing by me that's no If you got a Bible, I'm good right there, brother. If you got a Bible, 2 Corinthians 4. It's a different world we live in tonight. How many would agree with that tonight? I grew up in a world where if you competed in a sport, they usually gave away three trophies. First place, second place team third place team they got the trophy there was no fourth fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth or twelfth or fifteenth place team it was usually the first place team the second place team and the third place team thank you brother and uh i love you joe thank you uh thank you carl uh it was usually the first place the second place or the third place team that got something but we live in a world right now where if your kid plays in a sport, they try to give everybody a prize. That's the craziest thing to me. That is absurd to me. That means if, if this kid don't put in as much effort as this kid, they automatically get the same prize as, as that kid. That, that's just crazy. Is that crazy to anybody? Your kid's involved in something. They put in the extra time. They're up early in the morning. They're running. They're jogging. They're working out. They're doing their best. This kid's a couch potato. He's playing video games. The only reason he's on the team is because mom and dad want his lazy butt to get off the couch. And all of a sudden, at the end of the year, everybody gets a prize. That is a problem in this world today. We're in this situation where you can quit if you want to and you're still going to win. You can be last and you're still going to win. You can live any way you want to and you can still go to heaven. That is a lie straight out of hell tonight. Can I say this to you? Who believes that tonight? If my kid didn't earn it, I don't want it. If my kid didn't earn it, I don't want it. 
If I get out there in the roping, I don't want it if I didn't earn it. If I earned it, I want it. But if I didn't earn it, I don't want it. This world we're living in, they got the imaginary belief that everybody, everybody is going to go to heaven. Everybody's a winner. You can quit, and you're still a winner. That's a lie. Paul talks about a race in the Bible. Paul talks about staying the course and in the race and fighting the good fight and not giving up. I want to speak to the one today who always gives up. I want to speak to the one when the road gets a little rocky, they want to quit. I want to speak to the one right now in this church who says, you know what, I can go halfway, I can go mediocrity, and if I decide to sit down along the way, I'm still going to win. That's a lie. Paul says you should run. You should run, Ellen, as to win the prize, as to get first place. We serve a God that wants our very best, Scott. He don't want no Sunday morning relationship with you. He wants a Wednesday night relationship with you. He wants a Sunday night relationship with you. He wants every one of you in the church when the doors are open. He wants you supporting what's going on. He wants you giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. We serve a God that wants you on Monday morning at the office. He wants you in the traffic on Tuesday evening. We serve a God that wants you, that loves you. Somebody grasp that tonight. Teenagers, grasp that for a minute. We serve a God who loves you. And wants you and cares about you and does not want you to give up. God don't want you to give up. That's good, man. Can I say this to you tonight? Somebody's in your corner. <laughs> somebody need to hear that tonight. There is somebody in your corner. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he does not want you to quit. He don't want you to quit helping people. He don't want you to quit coming to church. He don't want you to quit going the extra mile, giving your time, your talent, your treasure. But, Brother Mark, I'm frustrated. Every time I do, every time I, I jump out there, every time I try, something always goes bad. But you know what? I, I found a scripture for you tonight that the valley is only temporary. Uh, come on, somebody. I said the valley is only temporary. The struggle only lasts a little while. I don't know what I got myself into when I got myself into this, but God knew what we was going to get into when we got into this. Somebody needs to hear this too, Matt. Nothing catches God off surprise. Nothing catches God by surprise. He knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. We were down in that we were down in Abilene, Texas at the rodeo finals. There was there was start of sixty-three bull riders. God knew who was going to be in the top fifteen before the week was up. God knows what's going to happen in your court case. God knows what's going to happen in, in your marriage. God knows what's going to happen on your job. God knows what's going to happen. God knows it all. And he says, Don't quit. It might be a little suffering. There might be a little sickness. There might be a little pain. There might be a little resistance. But don't you quit. I was thinking about it, man. When I first got started, Miss Melanie, they said, you better have some tough skin. Boy, I thought I was tough. 
But you got 10 or 12 of them coming after you at one time. You ain't so tough. You got a, half a church saying you're the devil and ain't so tough. You got people that's hating on you and pushing on you and lying about you and squeezing you. It ain't so easy to keep on going. But I found this scripture, and I want to say this before I read it. The difference between faithful people and unfaithful people is unfaithful people give up at first sign of difficulty. That's awesome. You just learned something tonight. The difference between faithful people and unfaithful people, unfaithful people quit. They stop. They stop at the first sign of resistance. They are done. Or maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time. Can I say this? When the devil's got you on the ropes, he's going to keep pounding on you. The difference between faithful people and unfaithful people is this. Faithful people don't quit. Unfaithful people lay down. They get tired of getting hit. They get tired of beating up. You wouldn't know how many times me and Mary have heard it was easier when I was living the other way. That's what the devil makes you want to think. It ain't easier the other way. I told Mary one time, we was getting right with God. We was going to church. We started tithing. We were back home in our home church. And I told her, I said, you know what? I had all kinds of money before we started going to church. She said, yeah, but we didn't pay our bills. We drank our bills. We did everything wrong. You roped up our money. You rodeoed our money. You put yourself before everybody else. I said, I won't bring that up again because it makes me look really bad. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. Got my Bible? This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying and our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Faithful people keep on keeping on. Faithful people are determined people. Faithful people find a way to delight in any situation. Faithful people are persistent people. Faithful people don't know how to quit. T.D. Jake says, you faced your greatest oppositions when you're closest to your biggest miracle. I mean, believe that tonight. You, you, when, when you're just about to elevate, when you're just about to get to that next level, when you're just about to get healed, that's when the enemy throws everything at you. You know how a little acorn becomes a big old oak tree? An oak tree is just an acorn that refused to give up. It just kept growing. It just kept growing under the heat, under the endurance of cold and winter and wetness and, and, and sometimes drought. Those big old oak trees that we see, that we love, that we love to admire, they started as a little acorn. Somebody planted it, and it growed. Stay planted, Cowboy Church. I could leave out of here tonight and not say another word, but to stay planted, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't run when trouble comes. I'm not that smart, but I know one thing. It's always too soon to quit. 
You are never a failure until you quit, and it's always too soon to quit. I heard a guy say one time, you must rise and rise and rise again until the lamb becomes a lion. What a great quote. You must rise and rise again till the little lamb becomes a lion so you can walk out there and face whatever comes your way. We were invited to go see a screening of the movie War Room. I can't wait to go see that movie. It's about a little black lady who would take and put her scriptures in her Bible and she'd hang them, hang them in the closet and she would go in there and she would pray for her family and she would pray about her life. You know, we got to get in our prayer closets and come out roaring like a lion. Somebody ought to hear that tonight. You're in a situation, you're stuck somewhere, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Don't quit. Don't quit. Your biggest blessing is right around the corner. You got a lot of opposition coming for you. Every time you try to do something, me and Kaylee was talking about this yesterday. Try to do something, bam, devil throws something at you. Oh, man, we went and saw old Jesse DePlantis one time, and he was talking about the time he had to go do an exorcism. Somebody called me one time to do an exorcism. I gave him a number to the Catholic Church. We don't do that unless I got a rope and a horse. We might try to do something. <laughs> but Jesse DePlantis said, man, Kaylee, hear me what Jesse said. Jesse said he went into this room, and this guy's head was spinning around backwards, and it was running around. And when Jesse tells it, it's really, really funny. And he said they were screaming and shouting. And Jesse walked in the room, and, and he walked in, and that demon was all possessed in that person. And he said, Jesse! And, and he said, Hallelujah, the devil knows my name. Most people want the devil to leave them alone. Most people want the devil to, to get away from them. Most people want the devil to, to, to not bother them. But the devil hates you. And he says in the word that he comes to kill and destroy you. And he won't stop at anything other than trying to destroy you. In any way, with your health in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships. Faithful people don't know how to quit. That is why we must never give up. You are never a failure until you quit. And it's always too soon to quit. God uses the tough times to test our persistence. When we started preaching, I preached my first sermon to one person. When I started preaching... You know, Pastor Mark's had a lot of great opportunities. I was in Athens, Texas this week, and they handed me the microphone, and I stepped out in front of 2,000 people again and preached the Word of God last Saturday. And we've seen people come to know the Lord. But 10 years ago, Heather, when God called me to preach, I preached my first sermon to one person. I'd set up all night long, and I wrote a message, Cody, on forgiveness. I went in there and I woke up Mary. Mary, wake up. She said, what's the matter? Is the house on fire? I said, no, I'm on fire, girl. <laughs> she said, what's going on? I said, I wrote my first message. You ready to hear it? And, man, I told her that whole message, Ms. B. I told her it all on forgiveness and how I had forgiven my mom. And, and I, I wrote that first message. And she said, honey, that was good, but it was long. I'm still writing message, and she's still saying, honey, it's good, but it's long. 
Some days she said, when are we going to get up out of here? When she starts watching her clock, I got to go. No, she don't do that. That's Joe Biggs. He'll get up and start dancing in a bike. Ten years later, I'm still preaching. But I thought when I started this church, when I came here, I thought we'd get a new building by now. I thought that we would get a new building by now. When I first came here and we got people excited and we were doing things and we were making noise, I thought that we would get a church by now. Well, it's been eight years and God ain't gave us a new church, but he's allowed us to add on to the one that we got. I thought that we would get a church, but we didn't get it, but God's allowed us to do that now to add on. In my first five years of being at this church, the devil tried to destroy my good name, my character. He reminded me over and over and over again how not equipped I was to do this job. Every time I tell the devil, I say, devil, God don't call the equipped. He equip God don't call the equipped. He equips the ones he calls. The devil say, look, you got a 10th grade education. You've been to the prison. You've had all kinds of opposition. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. I said, but there's one in my corner. Devil, you can say whatever you want, but there is one in my corner. I've had them come in here by the dozen saying, we want a new pastor. I've had them. I've had, man, I was preaching one time, and this crazy lady got up, and she was handing out a, a, a clipboard trying to get enough votes to get me out of here. I just preached Jesus that morning, and she never came back. You know how many times I've thought about quitting Miss Vicky? Five years ago, six years ago, every Monday. Every Monday I'd come in, I'd say, man, this is my last Monday. Sometimes I'd pack. I would. I'd pack it all up. Sometimes I'd walk it out to the truck. And God would just remind me that he had a plan for my life. God's here to remind you tonight, especially the one that feels like quitting, that he's got a plan for your life. I'm so glad I didn't quit. I remember one time in my first five years when my character was being insulted and I thought about giving up. I asked God, I said, God, what is it you want? And I heard him as loud as I'm talking to you tonight. He said, Mark, if I never give you that new church, will you still love me? If I never bring you any help, and I just continue to bring you lost people. Will you still love me? There was a time, man, we baptized 4,800 people in eight years. Give God a praise for that. There was a time we were baptizing four, five, six hundred every two or three months, man. We were laying them down in the Jordan. We were laying them down in troughs. We were bucking bulls and baptizing. We were roping. We were running them out there. There were times, man, they would just line up in revivals. This time is now. People are hungry. They want the truth. That's why you and I cannot quit because there's too many people out there that need somebody in their corner. There's too many people out there that need somebody. You know who God wants to use to, to be that corner man? You and me. I thank God that I didn't quit. 
I remember one time when a big time church come to call me and and every now and again, they'll tell me, drop my name in the hat, and we want to talk to you, Pastor Mark. Well, a long time ago, man, we were, we were going through a struggle, and a big fancy church called, and they said, Pastor Mark, we want you to be our pastor. Will you put your name in the hat? I said, no, I'm not interested. I'm like a loyal dog. I'm the one that stays on the porch, and you just keep kicking me, and I'll stick around. Don't feed me. I'm all right. Abuse me a little bit if I don't work cattle right. I'm okay. Well, I was struggling, and I thought, well, you know what? Me and Mary got in the truck, and we drove over there to that big church, Cody, and we looked around. Boy, it looked good. Boy, it looked good. We came in like visitors. Hey, how you doing? Are we doing good? Can I help you? We're new to the area. We was just wondering if we could check out your church. We were like spies, huh? The Bible talks a lot about spies. We like spies. We walked in, and we checked it out. Mary was nervous. What if they find out who you are? It don't matter. I'm just in the area checking it out. Man, they said, Pastor, please, we need you. We need a man like you that's on fire for God. We need somebody right here to help us build this church. It's got everything you want. Come with a big old salary, company car, nice house. Ask Brother Lyle. I went to him about it. He knows. Had all the amenities. It was one of them where if I wanted to wear a suit, I could. Or if I didn't want to wear a suit, they were happy. They just wanted somebody that was exciting in there. And so they asked me to put my name in this, in, in this hat. And I was reluctant to. And I went to Lyle and Larry. And I said, what do you think I should do? I, went, I think I went to Lyle before. I mean, Larry before I went to Lyle. And Larry said, man, you ought to go out when it's good. I'll never forget that. He's like, you ought to go out, boy, while you're on top. He said, look at every opportunity. I said, boy, that sounds good. So I put my name in the hat. They had 176 candidates. They narrowed it down to two, me and one other young pastor. And then they turned into spies. They started coming over here on Wednesdays and Sunday nights, listening to me preach. I knew who they were because they didn't look like us. Their penny loafers had no cow poo-poo on them or anything. And me and Mary, me and Mary, we was like, oh, they ain't from here out here. I said, I bet they. And so finally they called and they said, we want to interview you and we want to interview your wife. And we went over there and we interviewed them and I'll tell you how it went. There was five or six, eight, ten people in this room. And I walked in there. You know I ain't got good sense anyway. And everybody was sitting around. It's called a pastor search committee. Everybody was sitting around, and me and Mary walked in, and they said, hey, tell us about yourself. I said, well, tell me who's in charge here. And three guys raised their hands. I said, I thought Jesus was in charge here. Whoa, Jack, they flipped out on me. They, I said, who's in charge here? And them three guys said, I thought Jesus was in charge of the church. Oh, he is, he is, he is. They asked me questions, and I could tell right away this was a man-made place. And not a God-made place. Can you tell the difference between a man-made place and a God-made place? A God-made place has a bunch of people in it that don't quit. That have a people in it that refuse not to quit. They will not quit. They refuse to give in. A, 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 a man-made place. Let me tell you what it looks like. It's pretty. It's got a lot of show. It's got a lot of bling. It's got a lot of money in it. A man-made place has people in it that chase after things 
that don't look like Jesus. Man-made places, you can tell the Spirit of God is not in there. I think I'm too Holy Spirit-filled for the Baptist and not enough Pentecostal for the Pentecostal. Somebody asked me one time, what are you? I said, I'm a Jesus freak. I'm a follower of Christ. I love him with all my heart. I'm a little weird. I'm wired for Christ. I'm plugged into the source, the source who's always had me and always been in my corner and never quit me. Anyway, we was in this thing. We was having this meeting, and somebody asked me about Star Trek. They said, who is your uh, favorite Star Trek character? I said, is that in the Bible? I can understand they asked me about my beliefs. I can understand they asked me about baptism. I can understand they asked me about what we did here to grow this place and done what we've done. But what's my favorite Star Trek character? I said, I only seen one Star Trek film in my life, and it was the worst film I ever saw in my life. That dude didn't ask me no more questions. We visited with him a little while. I came home, felt good about the interview except for that part. Lyle was working on a piece of machinery around back. I was trying to justify myself. I was trying to justify to myself why I should quit Caney Creek and go over here to this. I knew that I didn't want to, but everything looked so good. Hey, watch this. Pay attention. The devil tries to make things look so good so that you'll go that way. The past of least resistance is not the way of followers of Jesus Christ. Read your Bible. Every disciple had trials and tribulations. Moses, man, Moses was buried outside the promised land. Everyone in this Bible, all the ones that have gone on before us had, had the path of least resistance. They, they went down the narrow path. Like we're going to teach our kids in a couple or next week for vacation Bible school to stay on the right path. Brother Lyle was working on a piece of machinery and, and, and he was squatted down there in the back. Some of y'all have heard me tell this story before. And I walked up and I said, Brother Lyle, he said, Yeah, man. He was fixing some fiberglass that one of the bulls had hooked the machinery back there. I said, Hey, man, this church has asked me to be their pastor. They, they, they really want me, and I'm thinking about it. What do you think I should do? I said, I think that God has something more for me, something bigger for me, something better for me out there. I'm thinking about quitting, Brother Lyle, because I think God has something bigger for me out there. Brother Lyle, in only the way that Brother Lyle could do it, he stopped working on the piece of machinery, and he stood up, and he looked me in my eyes. He didn't say a word. He looked at all 50 acres of Caney Creek Cowboy Church. He had seen where we took the trees down. He had seen where we built this place. He had seen where we added a lamb center. He had seen where we started building on our youth program. I couldn't see it, but Brother Lyle was spinning in a circle, and he looked right back in my eyes, and he said, Boy, God is doing something big with you right now. You just need to see it.
I got in my truck. I got in my truck. I'm going to tell you the truth. I got in my truck. And I didn't want to hear that, but I knew that was God because Lyle has been there with me. Larry had been there with me. Jerry had been there with me in the ditches. I knew that it was God speaking to me, telling me not to quit. I, I, so I took the long way home that day. And I picked up the phone and I called First Baptist Church. And I said, take my name out of the hat. I can't quit what God has started. And you know what? They went ahead and hired that other guy. You know, he lasted six months in that man-made church. They hired another guy. He lasted three months. Today, they're still without a pastor in that man-made church. This church is busting the seams. Starting new ministries. Going places and doing things. This church has people in it that have come a long, long way. Somebody, if that's you, raise your hand. You have come a long, long way. You don't drink no more. You don't lie no more. You don't do drugs no more. Raise your hand. Come on, somebody. You might be sober just a week, but you say, you know what? It's been the best week of my entire life. This church is full of people who've come a long, long way. And they can't quit. They don't want to quit. There's no way that they can quit. Because Paul says not how we start our race it's how we finish our race and Paul says stay the course really it's God it's not even Paul it's God we say that a lot Paul says to stay on course it's God who says stay on course it's Jesus Christ who says hey I'm running with you now I got left you the Holy Spirit I'm going to encourage you get up when you feel like you can't get up again God said, Mark, if I never give you a building, if I never give you any help, will you still serve me? I said, absolutely. Caney Creek Cowboy Church has grown to where almost 1,000 people come through these cattle guards every week. Average attendance at every service we do, every service we do is over 300 plus. Now, who is doing that? Come on, somebody, give God a praise. How would you like to clean toilets before church? How would you like to pick up trash from the night before that the dogs have knocked over? How would you like to stand out in the freezing cold putting on a bull riding until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning just to pay the light bill, just to keep the, the thing going? Freezing cold, rain, winter, snow, sleet, summertime. It didn't matter. That's what we did. I did that year after year, month after month, and I never quit. A lot of you were out there with me, praise God. A lot of you are still right there with me. You're getting attacked all the time. You're getting belittled. You're getting ridiculed. Things are coming against you. Say that with me all the time. Does anybody feel like it's all the time? But it's not. The word says, hey, you're coming out of this. I just read that to you just a while ago. It says this, that that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. 
that's good news. There was a time where we had to do all that to make ends meet. But times aren't so hard anymore. We can still make ends meet. God is on the throne. He cares about you and he cares about I. There's not a lot of glory in picking up cigarette butts. There's not a lot of glory in standing out there in the freezing cold and letting out steers. But God used those tough times to grow me. And God's going to use those tough times in your marriage, in your family, and with your friends to grow you. You're going to look back and say, man, thank God for the hard times. At that time, right now, when you're going through it, it don't seem like you can thank God too much. But you can because he's in your corner. There's a poem out there called Footprints in the Sand. And it talks about a guy walking side by side with God. And he's overlooking the rest of his life. He's taking a look back. He's seeing when his kids were born. He's seeing when he got a new car. He's seeing when he got baptized. He's seeing when life is good. God is walking right beside him. And then it shows the hard times when he got the bad news about his wife and she passed away. When he got the bad news about his job and he got laid off. When he got the bad news about his dog and his dog ran off. And he got the bad news about his best horse dying. He got the bad news about somebody lying on him and cheating him and taking his money. He got that bad news, and he said, man, there was only one set of footprints here. God, why did you leave me in the lowest times of my life? God said, silly, silly boy, I didn't leave you. I carried you. I scooped you up. You were about to, you were, you, matter of fact, you had fallen. And I came and I got around you because God is strong. These little pictures they paint of him don't give him the strength that he really has. My God is strong. He picks you up in the lowest point of your walk. And he carries you to your next destination. Watch this. He carries you, Dean, till you're strong enough to stand again. There's not a lot of glory in some of our lives. There's some hard times we must face. But God uses those times of test to grow us. If you're going through a tough time right now, then this verse I found is for you tonight. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they are producing for God's glory that outlasts, outweighs them that last forever. Someone told me, I was at a revival one time, and they said over in Africa and South Africa and these faraway countries that these people have the faith to raise people from the dead. They're raising people from the dead right now with faith. Your faith will raise you up tonight from the dead, from that dead, dark place. God is more interested in what you're becoming than what's happening to you also. I wouldn't be fair to you to tell you that tonight. God is more interested in what you're becoming than what's happening to you. I preached a little word on Sunday night about when you get squeezed, what comes out. 
We often, he often allows trials and troubles and tribulations and problems in our life to teach you diligence, determination, and character. The problems you're going through right now, it's a test of your faithfulness. Will you continue to serve God when life stinks? Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in good doing, for in proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Touch three people and tell them, do not give up. If you're in a place tonight, listen to me real quick, I'm done. If you're in a place tonight where you feel like giving up, let me or someone else pray for you tonight. Man, I ain't in a hurry. I, I, let me pray for you. If, you. if your marriage is in trouble, if... If you got something going on, let me pray for you. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. And I'll tell you something. He loves you and he cares about you. If you're in a place where you feel like you're ready to give up, how can you spirit how can your spirit be re renewed? By talking to the Father. I found out in our camp that one of our young people was thinking about committing suicide. And it just broke my heart into a million pieces. What's going on in this little boy's life that's so bad that he feels like giving up? Man, thank God for camp because he got around some people and they talked to him and they loved him and they encouraged him and they don't know they were there for him. We're that church. We're that group of believers. Stand with me tonight. Stand with me tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Everything is possible, folks. In my personal belief, Unless you're dead, you can't stop. You can't stop. You must keep going. You say, well, working with that place and working with those people and working at that church is just nearly impossible. God don't want to hear our excuses. He says, I breathe my life into you. He said, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you feel like giving up, nobody's looking. Close your eyes. I'm telling you, close your eyes. Even my leaders, close your eyes. I don't want nobody looking. I'm going to be the only one with my eyes open. If you're here tonight and you feel like, man, you're having a rough spot, you're in a rough spot, close your eyes. You're in a rough spot tonight. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm just going to slip my hand up, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Slip your hand up let me pray for you. Thank God for you. Amen. I'm still looking. Keep your hand up. God bless you. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Put your hand down. Thank you, Jesus, for those. There was probably 40, 50 people whose hand just went up and said, I'm in a rough spot tonight. Join me in praying for those folks. If you're in a rough spot yourself, join me in praying for those folks. Father, we thank you tonight for this message. 
we know that you are on the throne tonight. We know that you are working all things out for our good. Father, those hands went up. They went up because there's a need that needs to be met that only you can need, that only you can make, Lord. Father, I pray for those whose hands went up. And, Father, I ask that they would feel a touch from you this very night. That whatever's going on, whatever's broken, whatever's out of place, that you would begin to work there. It takes a lot of guts for a person to stick their hand up. By sticking your hand up, you believe with me tonight that God is working it out right now for you. Believe with me, somebody, that he's working it out for you right now. Lord, I love you, and we trust you tonight. We're not just going to trust you with our salvation, Lord. We're going to trust you with this moment. We're going to trust you with our life today. Thank you so much for the great comforter, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way with these people right now. Let them know that you love them. Lead, guide, and direct us from this night forward. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Somebody give God a praise. Amen. <laughs>